Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, joined tonight first by Mark Emelman. Mark, good to have you. How's it, guys? Two things real quick. Nice to see you, Rick. I hope you enjoyed the peach state. And then I have to send my and our very best wishes to our boy, Colt Nost, who was made an honest man this weekend, got married. So Colt is off the market, ladies. Uh, so sorry for you and congratulations. All the best, my boy. Uh, sad we couldn't be there. There you go. Congratulations, Greg Ducharme here as well. Gregors, uh, not a good day for the Jets, but I hope you had a good day otherwise. Not a good day for the Jets, uh, but a good day for the game of golf. So that was uh, that was nice to see. I enjoyed watching these events. Um, there was a lot of good action in the game today. So uh, looking forward to a little holiday break here coming up um, with Thanksgiving. I'm feeling very grateful and, uh, and excited for tonight. Well, that holiday break will feature the big cat, not one, not two, but three times on television. Not much of a break, if you ask me. Kyle Porter is here. KP, I'm not really sure exactly how to set this up. We were talking about whether or not uh, we could catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. And then Mark was saying, imagine going over the middle and trying to catch a football while someone else is smacking the crap out of you. And you said, I have a take. Start the show. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah, so... (laughs) That, that is exactly what happened. Uh, I think you could, I think you could probably catch passes from Aaron Rodgers. It, it would be, there would be some that like you, it would, it would either hurt or it would slip through your hands or whatever. My, my thing is more about, and it's, it's kind of what Mark was alluding to. It's more about, I don't know if you guys have ever been on the field for like a college football or NFL game. Those guys are the, big and fast. <laughs> the speed of the game. The, the first time I was covering an Oklahoma state Florida state game at AT&T here in Dallas. And I went down on the field at the end of the game. It was like the fourth quarter and I get down there and I'm like, I, I don't understand how anybody ever completes a pass. It, it's it's not like I don't know how they don't do this or that. I don't know how you complete any passes at all with 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 how fast everybody is moving. I just think, and it's similar to golf, right? Where the appreciation of seeing Brooks Koepka hit a four iron in person is a lot different than watching it on TV. Because on TV, it, it just gets, and it's nobody's fault. It's just how TV is. Everything gets normalized when when you watch the. Um, like the Texans, you're like, these guys suck. And then you watch, you like see it up close. You're like, this is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this before. And it's the same thing in golf. I mean, Mark talks about this all the time. Hey, Kyle, the first time I was field side was at a Clemson uh, practice, like a warm up game, warm up prior to the whatever Citrus Bowl, right? And Sammy Watkins was still on the team. And he's a unit, okay? He was the man. And Taj Boyd is throwing these passes from wherever. And I'm on the sideline, and Watkins comes down the sideline. 
at full speed. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a stampede of horses when this guy, yeah. and then, then when he goes up, it's like he jumped higher than me and took this ball out the air. And I was like, sweet yeah. Jesus, these are some athletes, these boys. It's 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 shocking to see. I mean, as shocking as I think golf is in person at times, Rick, you were there all weekend. Uh, it, the, the football stuff in person up close is like, it, it's almost a different sport than what you're watching on TV. I never understand, Greg, how cornerbacks stop anything right you are lined up against <laughs> and like the best athletes in the world you have to stay with the, you have no idea where they're going they know where they're going the quarterback knows where they're going to you they could go anywhere in any direction at any speed it is impossible to think they ever break up the pass. <laughs> yeah isn't that funny on one hand kyle saying i i don't know how they ever complete a pass <laughs> And Rick, on the other hand, is saying, I don't know how any cornerback stays with a receiver. How do they not both are true. every pass? Yeah. And both are true. I, I remember, I know we got to get to golf, but I played in this uh, flag football thing with kids I went to high school with <laughs> one winter break. These are college kids. Some of them play football. Um, I mean, nobody is a and nobody is anywhere close to the level that you guys are talking about, but it's a bunch. I mean, the football that I have played is like playing catch in the backyard. There's maybe it's you're going to play cover receiver and it's one on one. But you get into a real game situation and it took me it took me a whole game to get used to the speed. Everybody's running at full speed. It's not even that they're faster than me. It's just that everybody is moving (laughs) as fast as they can. And it's. It is so overwhelming. And then to be able to process that kind of information, like what quarterbacks do, what cornerbacks do, it's it's a, it's a hard game. <laughs> uh, it is a hard game. Now, let me try to pivot us back to a little bit of golf action here. Um, I think maybe for the first time, I'd have to go back and think, first time in a while, we had a winner on the PGA Tour who wore both a hat and a beanie at the same time. If you want to get yourself a hat or a beanie, of first cut style go on over to the first cut merch store because the rest of the year 20 percent off the code you need first cut 20 there's a link in both the audio and video descriptions of the podcast you can stock up on all of your uh, holiday gifting all of that is available to you if you're watching on youtube right now there's a qr code that you can scan as well uh do we have kyle figured out we've got a lot of stuff going on here are you here kyle we're good two yeah i'm 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 back. All right, we we'll, we'll get rid of we'll we'll boot you out of that other one and we'll keep your the one that you actually have here. Um, Adam Svensson, O Canada gets the job done in Georgia for his first career victory, seventieth start on the PGA Tour, and Mark, it was pretty pristine. Six birdies, zero bogeys on Sunday, a closing sixty four to win by two shots. Yeah, um, nearly as good as your thoroughly professional <laughs> toss to the merch over there. That was good. That was good work, my boy. Um, look, the way he played today was really, really sound in some challenging conditions. You know, to play there in the final group, cold, uh, you're nervous, you're lining up your first win. You know, you've had like three top tens in your career. Uh, that is that is tough sledding. And, and there were folks coming at him. And when you're coming down the stretch there, you saw that golf course. There are opportunities, but if the side of every hole is lined with disaster, you know, with marshlands and, and water and stuff like that, 
that. And those holes start to get tighter and tighter on you mentally. And uh, just the way he struck it, the putts that he made, it, it was it was it was a masterclass, man. It looked like honestly he'd, he'd done this thousands of time before. But the truth of it is, I mean, I'll never forget watching him play in college because he played college golf uh, for a few years down at Barry University, Division II school in Coral Gables, Florida, Miami, essentially. And when I watched him play the first time, I'm like, this boy is legitimate. And he would close it out all the time. Now, look, that's college, right? And uh, then he got out on tour, you know, one on the Corn Ferry tour a few times, then he got on tour, then fell off the tour. And he was always that talented kid to me who looked like he felt like he didn't have to work very hard. But I knew it was close. And then earlier this year, I actually retweeted, I think, earlier. Um, it was in Minneapolis. And he was playing there sort of latish on Saturday. And, and so I went and watched him play a little bit and said hello just prior to us going on the air. And I saw him playing then and the way he was hitting it and how easy it looked like it was coming to him. And I was like, it's only a matter of time. Now, look, it's big to say that because you know how hard it is to win on tour. But lo and behold, yeah, the, the guy's a winner. And 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 he's the kind of guy, the way he swings it, the way he puts it, just kind of the mindset he has where once he starts figuring out, out, out how to win, I don't think he's going to go away um, just because he's, he's, the game comes that easy. So I was super excited to see him win. And congratulations, he won. He didn't fall into that victory today. He played well. Yeah, it was pretty contested down the stretch. We'll get to some of the guys in the chase pack, but uh, Adam Svensson was able to separate himself, Greg, on 16 and 17. On 16, he rolled in a birdie putt from 17 feet, and then he added another on the par 3, 17, this time from 10 and a half feet. That gave him the cushion, a two-shot lead stepping on the 72nd tee. Yes, and I mean, it, the strange thing is he's in the final group, um, but at, at the same time, the show was really with Harmon and Thigala, right? Those guys were kind of featured in the coverage, and rightly so. They were going shot for shot. There was a lot of fun there. Callum Taran had posted, and it was a matter of, well, is Harmon and, uh, and Thigala, one of those two guys, going to be able to surpass Callum Taran? And then you have Svensson, who's kind of at the time at the bottom of that little leaderboard you have, and he's almost forgotten about. Uh, and then all of a sudden he he takes the lead and then answers back with another dart at 17, which was, you know, you get the lead and then you just close the deal on 17 at the very first opportunity you have. I thought that was really cool to see. Um, but the, the biggest takeaway for me is what he did on the greens uh, and a guy that's always been a really solid ball striker. Um, he has not always been a great putter. And, and this year it seems like he's kind of figuring that out. And of lately he's of late, he's kind of figuring that out. And that goes to what Mark was saying before with, well, he's so good. How much effort does he really need to put in? And then he realized that you need to have a complete game out here in order to win. And and the game is much more complete. So for Adam Svensson to have a hundred and make 153 feet of putts on Sunday in the last group, that's a big deal to me. Uh, and that's a sign of a, a player who's really figured something out. It's 
his first victory, as we talked about, KP, 70th career start, but he was three times a winner on the Corn Ferry Tour. And if you remember, as soon as uh, Bryson and his caddy Tim Tucker split, uh, Tim Tucker was on Svensson's bag for a handful of starts. And I, I yep. think that that is telling of how people feel about Adam Svensson. Mark mentioned just seeing it in person and saying, oh, man, this is this is going to come. I think a lot of other guys felt the same way. Yeah, and I think, you know, there, there's um, – Svensson is in that category on the tour where there's like – it seems like there's – 150 guys that are Adam Svensson, right? Where it's like, they're, they're good. They're obvious. I mean, they're unbelievable at golf compared to the rest of the world, but on the tour, they are, they're just like, they're fine. They're good. And I think the thing that I would add to that is like his numbers are probably better than a lot of the guys in that category. And so it's cool to see him be able to take advantage. I mean, we talk about this all the time with the fall, right? It's like, it's the time where you can take advantage of some opportunities and then start to play yourself out of that category where there's 150 guys. You get into the masters, you get into like all these big time events, you probably playing yourself into the sure champion or into the, um, the FedEx Cup playoffs or at least close to it for next year. And that's just like a massive thing to take advantage of in the fall. And I do wonder if he's somebody kind of like a, Taylor Gooch kind of comes to mind of like he was he's been good but then he starts to really progress at that kind of late 20s age to the next level and I'm curious to see how far he can go with that yeah obviously the win goes a long way because last year he earned 511 FedEx Cup points in 31 starts he's already at 583 in seven starts even without the win it would have been at you know, 383. So he would have obviously uh, filled up a lot of it, but that, that, I mean, work is done. Boom. Here we go in the fall. Yeah. Real quick. Like we, we, this, this can't be 500 FedEx cup points. Like it can't be the same as the travelers. I'm sorry. Like are would, we, are what, they what, would you, that? what number do you want? What would, what would you have given this, this week? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I've seen different ways to do it. You could do it based on the quality of players in the field. Shout out John Rahm. You can do it based on world ranking. You can do it a bunch of different ways, but you can't like, it, it just is, it's such a, it, it's, it's not a, it's not good for the PGA tour that the travelers is worth as much as it relates to their postseason as the RSM. And I know the, the fall stuff is going away next year, but that just can't are, are the elevated events staying some of them at 500 FedEx Cup points? I'm not sure. I believe they went to 550. Yeah, they're slightly more as far as I, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Very brave of them to go up to 550. <laughs> I just think it I think it devalues the 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 playoffs. It devalues the tour championship when you can get 500 FedEx Cup points for winning the RSM, but then you have to beat Rory Rom and Scheffler to win the Travelers next year, and you get the same amount of points. That just doesn't make sense to me. I wonder if I think this is a challenging aspect because I certainly see your point, Kyle, and it doesn't take a um, you know a, a rocket scientist to figure out that this field isn't as strong as the Travelers will be next year, as an example. But at the same time, you want as a tour. I think this is where the idea comes from. You want to make sure that every event is uh, equally attractive to play in. 
So when you look at your schedule at the beginning of the year, you don't say, oh, okay, well, I mean, I'm not going to play in the opposite field events. And so all of a sudden, or I'm not going to play in the events, I'm going to play in the events with the most FedEx Cup points. That would make sense. But when, um, and purses did that for a while, but when they leveled things out with FedEx Cup points, I think you started to see more stars uh, or at least um, kind of spread out their schedule. And every tournament kind of got a handful of their big name players, which I believe was their angle. Now, with the moves that they've made since, I think that's kind of, we've kind of decided to go in the other direction where we're going to try to get all of our stars to play a very similar schedule. And the other events will be stories like this, stories like Adam Svensson, um, guys that are trying to get up to that next level. So I I think now at this point, you're in a a better position to change that. Yeah. Uh, And maybe it will change in the future. I agree. It's a new it's a completely new philosophy, right? It's it's and I think it's a philosophy they should have gone to a long time ago of like you can't spread everybody out so thin. And I think FedEx Cup points are are part of that. We don't need to talk about FedEx Cup points. That was just one one thing I had in my mind. Uh, that's, a, that's an off season show. How would we fix everything? Uh, yeah. which, yeah, that's, we'll cover that here shortly. Three tied for second mark. Uh, we'll start with Callum Taron. This is the best finish of his career. And he has been, I don't want to say building towards this, but the, the type of golfer that we have seen from Callum Taron is literally, I'm not even exaggerating here. Uh, every start back to the Travelers Championship has either been a missed cut or a top 27, right? When he plays well, he plays really well. When he plays poorly, he finds himself out on Friday afternoon. This was a good week and he gets his best finish on the tour. He's that sort of a golfer. You know, he has the ball long. Um, he's still... You know, if he was a plant, I'd say he's a little green. You know, he's still got a little ripening, a little maturing to go because it's it's a craft to play the game consistently at, on the PGA Tour. Like, you've got to understand attack and defense and appropriate times, therefore. And you have to understand, like, strengths and weaknesses and tournament scheduling and stuff. And what Callum Tarrant is doing now, he's getting himself to a place where he can, I guess this is a build on on Kyle's point, you know, start to play golf courses that he knows fits his game. And he's also coming off a few seasons now where he's seen places. So you go back to golf courses you're familiar with and you can schedule accordingly. Um, when I have watched him head, I think it might have also been like 3M last year or this year, whenever it was. I was like, whoa, you know, he can, this boy can go. But but he, there was, he was sort of raw to me. Um, and, and the way he's coming along, the way he's putting himself in contention, um, you know, posting, having a chance to win, that sort of stuff, your body feels different. And coming out the end of this now, he's going to be on a real high going into the break. You know, I, you know, had a chance to win, posted at least. But more than that, played well coming down the stretch. And pressure to me is the ultimate barometer of who you are as a human being and obviously as a golfer then. So now he knows, you know, I can do this. Um, he has contended before, but not really contended, if you know what I'm saying. So, so. He is. I think he will continue to grow as a player, and when he exactly figures out, you know, what events he should play, which events he should kind of leave alone, maybe you'll start to see a little more consistency in his results. T seven at that three M Open, one of his yeah, uh, better sure. better results uh, previous to this. Also in a tie for second, Sahith Tagala, Greg. Uh, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen a lot. 
right? I mean, he has just put himself in contention over and over and over again, 68, 63, 68, 66 around these two golf courses. He will rue the double that he made on number seven, the par five, the front nine on Sunday, but he closed with four birdies on his, on his back nine uh, to at least give himself a chance. Yeah. And I thought that was a really big deal for him. Uh, the, the double at seven that you mentioned is a really big blow. And in a tournament like this, where you, all the numbers that you see on Sunday near the top of the leaderboard are 64, 65, and, and 66. A double, it's really hard to go shoot 66 with a double in there. Uh, it, that, that makes it really challenging. But he fought back really hard. And, uh, you know, this is something that's defining the early stage of his career, these, uh, the mistakes that he's making. But the thing is, he's making them in the public eye. And, and the reason for that is he's in contention. He's gotten himself into a place where a disaster if you want to call this a disaster, is uh, possible. You do this on Friday morning, you know, disaster is impossible. Nobody sees it and we just see a miscut. But for Sahith now, we see the what happens at the Travelers in the bunker. We see that kind of epic mistake on the 18th hole with the chance to win. And you see it here at number seven, but you also see the fight back here. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Sahith does, but I, I like the aggressive style. I like his ability to bounce back from mistakes like this. Uh, and I think it's going to go a long way for him going forward. Rick, uh, Greg, I'm glad you brought up Travelers because I wanted to bring up that point. Um, I was on the call there. He was in the penultimate group. It was sort of not that sharp early in the round, but just sort of hung around, you know, and hung around. And, and I'd watched him play before and he's electric with his personality and stuff, but his golf game is quite solid and he can play the game where you have to drop the anchor for a while and just sort of keep yourself in the fight, you know. And then he birdies 17, arguably one of the harder holes in the golf course there at River Highlands, and he is like all emotion. Then gets up there on 18 and, and could have ostensibly gone with an iron off the tee and had like still nine iron or something in and asked the victory, but went with driver and he's got this low two sort of bullet cut that he hits with a driver. We hit it today all over the... Yeah, and, and that, that was the thing too. So he birdies 17 and then he gets an 18T and it's the shape of the holes exactly the same. Bunkers down the left, some trouble up the right and he sets this thing off down left center and just carves one. And remember the wind was sort of over his shoulder and from the right so it's pushing the ball left if you miss. And, and to see him come through on that one, I was like... All right, I think he might have learned from the experience there at the Travelers, maybe honed that low fade under pressure or or put himself in place to really be able to deliver the thing. So, yeah, he came up a whisker short, but but the way he finished, you know, with a really good tee shot, he'd like to have hit a better iron. I think that was a real step in the right direction. And, Rick, one more step a little closer to that that victory, which just seems imminent. Uh, one yeah. more step a little bit closer, KP. He's going to now crack into the top 50 in the OWGR. Yeah, I saw that. I think he's he's super interesting because, you know, as currently constituted, I don't. He's not a guy that I would say is going to be like a star or superstar. But I think the thing to remember is like he's only he'll be twenty five in I think December or beginning of next year. Like he's extremely young, and I think it's like you, you just grow so much of your first what two, three, four years of being out on tour. And I think the thing, I don't know if he'll be a star. I, I think he could be. I think the thing that I'm excited about him and, and the reason that I hope he is a star is because he's a character. Like he'll give you 
he'll give you his emotion. He'll give you himself. And he's just somebody that's so easy to root for because he does that. I mean, we love guys like that, right? Like we, that's why it's easy to root for somebody like a Max Homa or um, I'm trying like a Shane Lowry, you know, guys that will give you their emotions. And I love that Sahith does. I mean, think about rooting for him at a team event, like the Ryder cup or president's cup. It would be insane. He would be out completely out of his mind and it would be so much fun to root for. So I think he is somebody that I, I don't know if he's going to get to that. Like, Hey, he's a top 20 guy in the world type player. Uh, but I think he could, and I hope he does. I want to say this real fast. Obviously, he's got parents from India. And, and I feel like he can be a star because of his personality. I feel like he is already. He is, he's, I use the word electric. In the press room, he is just a, he's dynamite. And, and watching him play, you live and die by every shot. He's kind of like a tall Jordan Spieth because you never really know what's going to happen. Um, but but I'm sort of seeing him going, you've got this Indian heritage. Man, you win once or twice on the PGA Tour. He could grow the game in the country of India like so much if he just decided to go back there and start lending his name to one or two things. So so I, I feel like, you know, globally, it's something that you really could start looking, even though he is a naturalized American. Uh, previously, that was Honor Bon Lahiri, who has uh, now passed the torch to Sahith as the uh, – Mark, the- listen. And Mark's just trying to get him on the international team for the president's cup. That's all that's going on here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Trevor told him to say that. Like that's that's the deal. The notables. We'll go through these uh, quickly here. Greg Seamus Power finishes T five. Yes or no? Quickly. Don't think. Is he the fall MVP? No. Who is? Uh, Rory. Yeah. No. Come on. Wait, who, who did Come you on. who did you ask? It, it, Rory played Power? one time. How can you be the MVP? Well, he's one for one. Oh. Geez. Hey, do you remember? Do you remember who the fall MVP was last year, Rick? Taylor Gooch. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, who can't keep his spot on their team? What's it there? The Flying Aces or who are those guys there? He's like the Flying he's been, Aces. He's been traded. The flying Aces is so good. That should be one of the team names. But he, he got ditched. Where's he going now? Is he with the Divots or who's the uh, Nibbies? He's with the Nibs. The nibs. All right. Team nibs. Rory cannot be Rory cannot be the MVP, Greg, when you've played one event. Well, you I mean <laughs> so you're saying just PGA tour. Because I'm looking yes, at what I'm Rory, Rory, PGA did. Tour. Rory did in the you know in the uh international game. We'll get to that. He did a I lot. kind of I kind of agree with Rick here. Like <laughs> I don't know that you can play four rounds and be the MVP. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Well, in that case then I I uh if I'm not allowed to think about it, so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll give just you go. some options. I'll give you some <laughs> I options. Guess I'll just go with Seamus. All right, here are the options. So Seamus Power, number one in the FedEx Cup standings. He played six events, had three top tens, and a win. Keegan Bradley played three events, had two top tens, and a win. Mackenzie Hughes played five events, had one top ten, and a win. Tom Kim, three events, one top ten, one win. Are any of these doing it for you? Uh, do you include the President's Cup? Tom Kim. <laughs> I... Okay, no. sure. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. It's, a P- it's, a, it's a PGA tour. It's a PGA tour thing. Yeah, and it okay. was after the FedEx Cup, right? And so th- that probably comes into play a little bit because you're right. It's clear that the resume goes to Seamus Power. First, he's first in the FedEx Cup. You don't have to look any farther. Um, but with, with the top tens and the wins, it's him. But you consider Tom Kim and kind of that whole package. Then I, I think it is. I, I think it goes to Tom Kim. 
And you're only talking PGA Tour, right, Rick? Yes. In this made-up scenario, yes. So you you don't include... Like Rom's had two wins and all that. Sorry, John. Doesn't count. Okay. Wow. Don't, I hope he doesn't hear that. He's not going to be very happy. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's, it still counts in the bank account. It still counts in like yeah. the OWG. Like it counts way. It counts a lot for him. Does not count for me. <laughs> uh, you know. You know who else is up there, Rick? Kind of quietly, and he's playing great golf. Who's Brian Harmon. Yeah. So two top tens in four events. Mm-hmm. And had back-to-back runner-up finishes. Yep. Yeah, he's had a great year. He's over two over. Well, he will be over two strokes gained after the dust settles on RSM. Uh, he played great this week too. He was really I, he was fun to watch. Yeah, he that. did. I, I don't I don't think it's Seamus Power. I, I would go Keegan or um, Brian Harmon over Seamus Power. Rick, the other one. Rick, I'm feeling where you're going. I just want to okay. say this. Uh, yeah. We had Seamus for a couple of rounds um, in, on PGA Tour Live coverage, and the guy's game is complete right now. And and I would hand him the full M- MVP. And just to put a period on my comments was the fact that our very own Carl Porter recognized him as the leading Irish golfer in the world. Just a few oh, shows. you're going to bring this up. <laughs> for, uh, why not? For, that's like the second time in the last two weeks. It's it's <laughs> sick that he is getting better every week, but Rory is also getting better every single week. So it's like, ah, sorry. They're going to be one and one and two in the world at some point. <laughs> uh, he, here's the, yeah, here's, you, you, you might sorry. be right, Rick. It might be, it might be Seamus. I, you, you, you guys might've flipped me on this. Here's the dark horse. Now, he doesn't have the win, which obviously goes a long way. But if you say, okay, Seamus' only win is Bermuda, okay? Mm-hmm. Taylor Montgomery played seven times, seven, and had six top 15 finishes. Yeah. And did not miss a cut. And he, yeah. he, this was the first one he was outside the top 15. He was right there all week. He finished T15. He slid in. Oh, he did slide. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the only one he did not finish inside the top 15 was Houston. He finished T57. Wins mean something. Yeah, that's kind I of a agree. problem. Yeah. yeah, I I think you guys have taught me into Seamus. <laughs> Has yeah. to be. That's it. There we go. <laughs> and all basically all the good stuff was just his last three starts. The the first three were pretty garbage. But but hey, you get hot. Yeah. yeah see, Tom worked. Kim didn't have the garbage. Right. Yeah. Do you Which remember, I think yeah. is a big deal. How many how many points, Greg? Do you think uh, Tom Kim had at the President's Cup? Well, only like two, right? Two. <laughs> yeah. But we basically yeah. Anointed, anointed him with five based on the performance. He was like two and three. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, in, okay. So since September 1st, how about this? Uh, Mark won't like this, but it's true. <laughs> since September 1st, Seamus Power is 122nd out of 124 eligible guys in approach shots. Like he's one of the, he's been one of the worst iron players on tour this fall. Yeah. Yeah, but, but you think about two, Bermuda where he won. You're Rick, you're no, gonna say the same. Yeah, Go no, ahead. S- no stats in Bermuda, yeah, no stats in Mayakoba. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah, are his best right. two finishes. Yeah. Good, good and, call. Good call. And and the, the, the events in the last few that he played pretty well in, the conditions were hard. I mean, it was yeah. blowing a gale there in Bermuda, so you're not gonna hit a bunch of greens and stuff. And then yeah, no, that's not all statistics, uh <laughs> although I will say that iron play did get him on eighteen today. There you go. And then we, should have, we should, we should have a, uh, 
our our podcast next week should be who's the player of the fall. We could talk about this for like 30 minutes. We could. How about we cap it with a uh, sponsor invite Cole Hammer, Kyle? Uh, we had him on the yeah. friend of the pod, friend of the yeah. pod, Cole Hammer, who gets in on a sponsor's invite, goes 64, 66. Uh, I believe he was the 36 hole leader, struggles a bit on Saturday, but comes out and shot fires a 65 on Sunday. Um, this is obviously going to open up some more, some more stores for him and get him some more starts. Yeah. He'll be at Sony. He was pumped about that. I, I think that, I mean, you know, even talking to him on here, hearing him afterward, hearing him after the first round, I thought was really interesting because he shot, what did he shoot? Eight under 64, I think. Yeah. And he, and he talked about how he was like, listen, I was trying to play. And we've heard this from so many guys, Max Homa, maybe most notably, he said, I was trying to play perfect golf. And because I thought that's what the, the PGA tour required. I thought you had to play 72 holes of perfect golf. And I came out here and realized like I can make some bogeys and it's okay. You know, like it's, it's, it's not the end of the world to make three bogeys in a round or to bogey two holes in a row. And I think, I think realizing that for guys that have been, I mean, he's a former number one amateur in the world for guys that have been that good as amateurs, realizing that on the PJ tour frees you up to just be who you are. And I don't know if he has the, I don't know if he has the skill set, especially distance wise, of an elite PGA Tour player someday, but I think he can be a really solid PGA Tour player. And and sort of like Sahith, I hope that he is because he's a great quote. Um, he's somebody that seems really interested in and loves golf in the same way that we all do. And yeah, it was a, it was a great week for him and, and cool to see him after last week making his first cut at a PGA Tour event. Uh, obviously, this week getting his first top 10. Doesn't it feel like he's been around forever, Mark? Because because <laughs> he he, you know he's he's he was what sixteen Four, years old, fourteen, fourteen. Uh, then he was on the Junior Presidents Cup team. He was on the two Walker Cup teams. He was on the National uh, Championship team for Texas. He lost to Victor Hovland in the semis of the USM at Pebble Beach. Like it, we have been exposed to Cole Hammer for nearly like a decade, and he's now just like making his. Yeah, you know, handful of PGA Tour starts here. Yeah, you list all those teams. He, he was on the one you didn't. Was he? He was on a losing USA team in the Palmer Cup to uh, this guy's team over here. Um, no, and, and I, I must tell you, that's where I'm. We forget. Yeah, no, no, well, <laughs> running achievement apart from being on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually made a point of going to meet him because there was all this hype about the guy. So I just watched him play a few holes before I was going to introduce myself and he walked out of the fairway to come up to me and shake my hand and introduce himself. He's like, Hey coach Mark, my name's Cole Hammer. I'm like, dude, I know who you are. I'm, I'm yet to watch who you, how you play. And so we chit chatted and he was, I, I tell you what, there's a little something to the special ones to me that they have that you can never put your finger on, but there's a professionality and he has that in buckets. Uh, and to, to Carl's observation about the quote, he speaks well, he's thoughtful, he's so polite. I mean, after my interaction with him, I watched him play for about 30 minutes. It was like I was trying to find something wrong with a kid. And, and I really couldn't. And i got to tell you, he's got a beautiful golf swing, hits the ball really flush. Now, the only knock on him is he's not that long. But you know what? I think his short game is 
really sound. And now that he's sort of figured out, okay, I can sort of compete and they're golf courses that I'm really going to thrive on. Um, when he starts getting himself a few starts, he hung with those guys, the Hovelands and all the long ones when he was playing and the Schefflers and company. So I feel like there's a place for him. Now, is he going to be dominant? Uh, I wouldn't say so, but you never know. But he is like super professional and I am really a fan. Yeah. Uh, 22nd? No. Hold on. He was 31st in driving distance this week. So he's he's not he's not long, but he's also not short. He's sort of Spethian, right? Like we've talked about this with Spieth, where it's like Spieth isn't long, but he's not short either. He's just kind of PGA Tour average, which is fine. That, was that all drives or only two holes? Because on a lot of those holes, they're the longer guys are going with less than driver. I think the I think data golf counts the two holes. Okay. He needs to use the hammer driver. Remember that? No, the that's, hammer. The, the hammer. Sorry. X, the late night I, infomercial guy. Um, <laughs> but I have it. I have it here. All drives. He was tied 30th. Yeah. Drives, I was wrong, Mark. That was, was tied, all drives. He was 53rd. Yeah. He's a good iron player, man. I'm, I'm, I'm watching our comments here. I don't normally do it, but everyone's like, he needs to work on his putting. Let me tell you what, he can putt. He really can. Uh, and and he's got, he has got sees a lot of shots around greens. You know, you, you get certain folks where you watch them, they make saves and stuff, but they, 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 there's an element of one-dimensionality to them. He, he's got all the tools. He really does. And a lot of it, we talked about um, guys sort of finding their groove some, like a Callum Tarrant. Um even though Cole was that good and the world's number one player, when you go to a different level, there's a different devil and you've got to sort of try and figure it out and how it affects you and, and how you play at that level. And, and like I say, he's professional. You, you, you will find a way to do it. We're going to put you on the by, spot here. By Mark. the way, Rick, I do yeah. remember the hammer driver. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Phenomenal commercials. Yeah, just the best. <laughs> uh, added like 100 yards to your drives, guaranteed. Yeah. That, that yeah. was the claim. We're going you to put just you have on to grunt. <laughs> right. You just have to yell, boom, after you hit it. <laughs> We're going to put you on the spot here, Mark. 2019 Arnold Palmer Cup. Think back. Okay? Yes. Yeah. There was one player on the international team, your international team, who played – at the RSM Classic this week. Who was it? Kevin Yu. No. Wait, did he play this week? Yeah, I did. Okay, then there was two. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Rick, got his own, Rick got his own trivia question wrong. Sometimes <laughs> it happens. Wait, wait, wait. May I look at the leaderboard? I've got Kevin Yu favorited because um, I think I told a story where he called me up in Phoenix and wanted to get advice about turning pro. So I sort of watch for certain scores. I know he was playing um, the internationals that might have played. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Who's it? He is from Germany. Matthias Schmidt. That's the one. Yes, he's he's, he's good too. Big, tall guy. Went to Louisville. Long. He's 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 kind of like a really powerful Bernard Langer. Doesn't say a word, and and sort of smile. He'll, he'll flash a little grin, but but he's all business. He's he's fun to watch. Two-time yeah, that's champ. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good comp. 44 times. Three-time Masters champion. Before you go off the reservation, similar, similar personality. Uh, okay, gentlemen, any final thoughts on RSM Classic? We're going to do our – we're going to recap our best bets real quick, but we've got big boys to talk about across the pond. Any final thoughts here? No. 
Going once, going twice. Okay, we're going to recap our best bets. It was just Kyle and Patrick this week. And uh, then we will talk about Rory and Rom and everything else going on in the world of golf. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back. KP, how did the Tuesday show go? I saw, I saw pa- Patrick's a natural. You know, he, he could, he could run the show. Yeah. Patrick was great. Uh, my picks were not. So let's yeah, just, let's right. just get him over with as quickly as possible. I, I said this on the show, my first pick here, I think we're going to pull him up. I had, I had, uh, I had Keith Mitchell over Sahith. And as mm-hmm. soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was like, I already hate this. This is stupid. Why am I, <laughs> why am I doing this? And then Sahith almost wins the freaking tournament. So, and that was like, that was probably my best one. Uh, so great, great job by me. I'm, I'm feeling it this fall. Uh, you then also switched to DP world tour stuff because it was yep. Jordan Smith, top 20, Matt Fitzpatrick to win Rom or Rory to win, which wait, shouldn't. Well, okay. So this it's kind of oh, worded weird. It's Rom and Rory to finish one, two in any order. Got it. Got so Rom won ah. and Rory finished T four. No solo four, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Fourth. Oh, so I will. I was, I was trying to hit on the. I thought one of Fitzpatrick, Rom, or Rory was going to win, and I just got too cute with the the bet in there. Yeah, because they all finished inside the top five. <laughs> yeah, that, and yeah, somehow I didn't tough. win anything. <laughs> that's tough. Just pretty sick, actually. Um, Patrick had Rom going wire to wire as his outright, which is. Love that kid. Uh, that did not hit. Andrew Putnam played well, 40 to one. That did not hit Robert McIntyre. So again, that's on the DP world tour to finish inside the top 20. No, but he did get Matt Kuchar over Taylor Moore. So that's nice. We got yeah. one green, green box there. Whew. The do best we have ball this, gets even even worse. Do we have the oh the best balls? All right, the best balls were money ball, whatever it is. Money ball were Rom to lead after round one, and Rory to lead after rounds one and win. Loser, loser. Thanks, Terrell Hatton. <laughs> wow, Kyle, that's a crazy best bet. Yeah, gee whiz. <laughs> I mean, yeah, 50, just, 50, so, fifty times twelve is is like green until March. Do we man. have the season long stats? Troy? Well, I mean, why would we look at those? Because it's the only one that we're not all in the red. (laughs) So we should show it. Yeah. Kyle's just making it. He's doing anything he can to go green. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm going to start, yeah, I'm going to start, you know, betting Callum Shinkwin to win the Dubai Desert Classic in January. This is, this is how the problems start, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly this. Yeah. That's, well, you could make up I'm, for it all in one day. <laughs> I remember I, after I, uh, after I, yeah, after I picked uh, Morikawa to win the Open in, what was that, Rick? Last year, 2021? Yeah. That was your moment. I told my wife, I was like, I think I could, I, I think I'm like pretty good at this. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, okay, if you do it, uh, on the show as a fake thing successfully for like seven years, then you can start doing it. For real. Yeah, she's right. So yeah. two years in, we're, we're cooked. We're done. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk DP world tour championship. We're going to do that. But first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. And we're back. Okay, so the finals, the DP World Tour Championship in the books. Let's start with the tournament. Uh, Mark, that was won by John Rahm, six, uh, 67 on Sunday. Uh, he was talking afterwards saying, you know, it, people are saying it wasn't a good year for me. I found three three victories. Uh, I am... I am in the belief that John Rahm is about to have a massive 12 months. Uh, well, look, all the tea leaves say so, right? Um, yeah. But, and he's proved that he can pull a few off. But uh, these are, you know, to, to use Rahm as a quote, who earlier in the week was blasting the world rankings, saying that they were wrong and he didn't believe with them. Wrong. Um, yeah. Um, the, you know, he went over in, uh, in Spain. And then he won another event on the European Tour. I can't believe what it was. I can't remember what it was. Um, and so these these events that he were playing, I, I'd just like to see him go and do this on the PGA Tour right now. Um, but I thought this week's performance was complete. And the tough thing about winning over there in the desert is you know the weather the weather is going to be great. You know it's going to be a scoring bonanza. And you know that if you start missing a few putts, you're going to get folks just bowling over the top of you. And he came out there with intent from the very word go. And essentially, I don't want to say – Got a, took a stranglehold on the event, but sort of did, and so it, it, it. He made the the shots that he needed to. He made the putts that he needed to, and and he did look pretty complete to me. So yeah, everything's boding well for a new season. I, I'd like to see him, because to me he's a great scrambler, uh, but I think he sort of lives on the driver a little bit, and I feel like if he can really get that driver on going like he has in the past when he was dominant. And that's when uh, Rom's going to do Rom stuff more consistently. Those three wins, uh, Mexico Open, Spanish Open, and then here at the DP World Tour Championship, Greg, how about this finish for John Rom in his last four starts of 2022? He goes runner-up at the BMW PGA Championship, the premier event on the DP World Tour. He wins in Spain. He finishes T4 at the CJ Cup and wins the DP World Tour Championship. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, and it's 
It definitely points to your point about him being set up for a monster year. He's kind of done it quietly, at least here in the States, being on the DP World Tour. You kind of get a mention, and we talk about it briefly here on the podcast. But you're starting to see him figure out things with the putter, which, in all honesty, he's kind of had figured out for a lot longer than we think. But it just he hasn't pieced it all together yet. And it feels like... To Mark's point about him getting the driver under control, it feels like that's the missing piece, which it, it isn't really missing. It's just going to take a little while for that to show its consistency again. So it, it's a very unique case because everything says, yeah, this guy is going to really give Rory a run for his money uh, as the world's number one player. And we all know he has that game. It's just a matter of him putting it all together. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, the other thing about Rom that I find interesting is there's this balance between being fiery and competitive where that can drive him. So one thought I have is, well, all this stuff he's talking about behind the scenes is going to be a big chip on his shoulder and it's going to really fire him up to go and show everybody, remind everybody who John Rom is. But at the same time, if it doesn't go well for him, that fire, that energy can kind of backfire like it did early in this season. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where he is uh, in January uh, from an emotional standpoint. And I think if we see John Rahm tempered for him, you know, under control emotionally for him, then I think you're right on the money, Rick. He's going to have a monster year. Yeah, I, you made a really good point there with uh, the start of the season because I could sort of, that could be a forecast for what's going to go on because... I'm assuming he's going to go play in the Century Tournament of Champions, where, I mean, but for Cameron Smith, he won the thing last year. So he plays that golf course well. It's wide off the tee so he can just drive it. Because when he's driving the ball well, he just lines up and smashes it. There's no caressing balls down the fairway. It's almost McElroy-esque. So he plays well there. He plays well at Torrey Pines. We know that. And you have to drive the ball well around that place. Then he goes back to Phoenix, where he went to college, and he loves that place too. And he gets the ground swell of the fans behind him. So if he comes out and, and, and he gets a little mojo in his corner, you know, he could start his year really big at those three golf courses. It was John Rahm who won the tournament, but it was Rory McIlroy, Kyle, who won the season-long DP World Tour Championship. He becomes the European number one, and probably no better kind of way to put a capper on this year than to have Rory and Rahm celebrating kind of together on the 18th green, two guys that have been uh, outspoken about the changes that have gone on in the world of golf, but yet in different ways. Rory obviously very much uh, uh, aligning with the PGA Tour. John Rahm uh, still, uh, I mean, he hasn't gone to live, but he has been critical of OWGR. He's kind of been critical of some of the scheduling that the, the top players have agreed to both of those guys sharing the stage here on the 18th green. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick on Rom before I talk about Rory and Rom. Uh, Rom wins a lot. Like he's won, I think I've sent this out, 16 of 152 OWGR events in his career, which is 10.5%. Which pretty I mean, good. That, that's. Like he's won either two or three events each of the last six years. So we know he's going to win. I mean, we don't know. History would say he's going to win two or three times in 2023. It's just a matter of, and, and I think, I think, I think Mark's right. Like 
it was it was a good season. You win three times on the European and PGA Tour. Like that's good. But it's it it is Mexico uh, Spanish Open and DP World Tour Championship. It's not um, it's not Memorial. It's not um, you know some some of the kind of like match play, like some of the big boy non majors that a guy like Rom should be winning. So I don't think it's, it's, it's not like he had a bad year, but you know, it, you want to apply those two or three wins to majors and to players and, and the events that I think Rom expects to win. But I think, I mean, it is notable that he wins three, three times every year. Like it's just like an auto two and a half, three wins, you know, uh, statistically. So I'm fascinated by him going into 2023. I, I think he's got, I think in January I said he'd win five times, which if he wins the hero, that'll be four, right? Yeah, that'll probably that'll be the last thing he plays, right? Yeah, I think so. I was trying to get him to five. I don't, I don't think he's going to play the QB shootout or anything, but <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just I don't know. Like I'm, I think he's one of the two best players in the world, and the other one being Rory. I, you know, the thing about Rory. He was, he didn't have a good first round. He played well the last three. He said afterwards, like, this is the most complete I've ever been as a player. And the stats would say that his 50 round average is in terms of strokes gain is the best is the best stretch of golf he's ever played in his career. I don't don't know what the exact dates are, but that goes back to like, I think since the masters, he's had three finishes outside the top eight of events. So 13 out of 16 events, he's been in the top eight which is a joke. Like he's playing at an extraordinary level. And I think even more notable than that is Rick, you look at, so since 2011, there've been 22 season long races on the European. So 11 on the European tour, 11 on the PGA tour. So that's the FedEx cup, the race to Dubai. I don't know what it's called anymore on, on the European tour. It's not even called the European tour. No, it's called like, it's called like the DP world torch. Like both of them, the tournament and the season long thing. No, the season long is like the DP world tour season long race presented by Rolex. Like that's oh, like the boy. legitimate name or oh. I mean, I butchered it, but it's something like that. Tough. Regardless, Rory's won seven of those 22 season long races, which is just, I I think for a number of reasons, one of them, because he's a great talker and two, because he followed Tiger, Rory gets normalized a lot. Like winning seven of 22 season long races on the two best tours in the world is not a normal thing. Like it's, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that he's done that and been that good for this long. So uh, that to me just kind of points to his um, excellence over a, a sustained a really long period of time. Well, to that, I love the tweets that you do where you sort of have, you give us guys strokes and gain number and then there's like zero people and then there's someone else and you do a comparative sort of a list. I'd love to see you put together Rory when he won that thing the first time, what the leaderboard was and Rory now. Mm-hmm. Show the long, longevity of who he is and the speed at which he plays the game and stuff like that. Uh, I just wanted to, if we're putting a capper on this conversation with Ram and Rory, you know, in the season of giving thanks, i got to tell you, Luke Donald is sitting at Thanksgiving. We're going to sit at Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday, go. I'm pretty thankful right now. I've got Ram, Rory, Hatton's playing decent. Shane Lowry's good. You've got Seamus Power playing great. Fleetwood's coming back. Thomas Dietrich's making appearance. I mean, look, I know it's a long way away, 
But I just wanted to throw that out there because the, the American team is murderers row. We know that. I mean, they are almost unstoppable. These Euros are lining up right now, and, and a lot of them are playing really, really well with some real tough ones up front. Who do you forget, Rick? Oh, yeah, Victor Hovland, who played five matches for the European uh, Water Cups. There you go. Uh, I, 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 I'm not that guy. <laughs> in in the in the book, Mark, the the normal sport too that's coming out in December. I I wrote about how Rory statistically is at a win rate the same as like JT or Morikawa over the last three or five years, but. The difference is he was also at a win rate that was the same as Furick and Stricker like 12 years ago. And so like the stars have sort of um, turnstiled in and out. And he's he's been like the constant, him and DJ, which I think is just is just really impressive. Uh, 2012 DP World Tour Championship. Rory wins by two over Justin Rose. Then the rest of the leaderboard is Luke Donald. There you go. Uh, you're trio of South Africans, Charles, Louis, the and huh? <laughs> all the live boys. Yeah. yeah. Brandon Grace, uh, Tong Chai Jai D, Henrik Stenson, Frederick Anderson head, Jamie Donaldson, Fernandez or, uh, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, Sergio and Padraig Harrington. Mm-hmm. Two, two more nuggets. So Rom wins uh, the DP World Tour Championship for the third time. First player to ever do that. Rory becomes the top ranked European golfer for the fourth time. Only two others have done that. Would we like to take any guesses at who those two might be? Colin Montgomery. One. Um, Someone random like Ronan Rafferty. <laughs> well, how, how far back does it go? This person accomplished it for the fourth time. Very Lee Westwood. Yeah. Lee Westwood. 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 Yeah. Very. Yeah. Lee Westwood did. Uh, the other thing, Greg, and we'll we'll kind of put a cap around this. There was a lot of discussion around the OWGR points this week. Okay, because the RSM Classic, which uh, after Tony Fee now withdrew, had zero top 20, 25 players in the world, whatever that, whatever the criteria was, um, and gave 37 first place points to first. The DP World Tour Championship had seven of the top 20 players in the world, gave 21 points to first place. Now, I will also say this. Uh, Data Golf did a great Twitter thread on this yeah. where, yes, while the first place points are like way in favor of the PGA Tour, basically outside of that, when you start getting like 10th and beyond, you're, it's actually would have been more advantageous to be playing on the DP World Tour uh, this week. It's a very interesting situation. Um, and I think also a very unique scenario where you have what you had this week where the PGA Tour is on a down week as far as stars are concerned, but the guys that are not stars on the PGA tour players who made up this field are highly qualified golfers, right? They're, they're extremely talented players and it makes up a strong field despite not having your stars. And then on the DP world tour, you have a lot of stars, very bunched near the top. So, you know, what are we trying to do with official world golf rankings when it comes to points for the winner? Is Are you trying to decide what event is the hardest to win? Because um, when you look at the leaderboard and you see Rom and Rory and, and you see Fitzpatrick and you see Hatton and you see all those names we're so familiar with near the top, well, yeah, it'd be really hard to beat all those guys. Um, but then what's the likelihood that it's going to be all those guys near the top of the leaderboard? 
Um, you know, we you don't know that if Tony Finau played in the RSM Classic, would Svensson have had to beat Finau in kind of a head-to-head Sunday battle? You don't know that, so it's a it's a complicated thing. This was a unique scenario that I don't think is going to happen very often, and ultimately, I, I think the point boils down to what Kyle tweeted about. It's exactly what Kyle tweeted about, you know, with the ducks and the. the, okay. the well, do you want me to, right? you want me to you give the? Yeah, you say it. Okay, so the John Rahm is angry because the OWGR is essentially saying it's harder to defeat a hundred duck-sized horses than one horse-sized duck, <laughs> and Rom, being the horse-sized duck that he is. <laughs> doesn't doesn't like that fact and i actually think i agree with him like uh, i don't know it's a hard one it is hard and people think that there's okay so this question here from ewan mcdermott says should they not be rewarded for qualifying top 50 for the season ending race instead of getting punished for it well the owgr is 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 not um evaluating like um individual tours it's evaluating individual golf tournaments, right? So it's trying to take all the, uh, I don't know if bias is the right word. Bias is such a loaded word, but it's essentially trying to take all the bias out of, um, it's trying to apply math in a very complicated way across uh, a lot of tours around the world. And I agree with Rom, and I think data golf pointed this out that like, maybe the, the points, if you have that many top players should be higher for the top. And then there should be like a steeper drop off, right? Because we saw in that thread, Rick, that you referenced that if you're, if you finish, uh, I think it was like, the 28th or 30th at the, at the DP world tour, that's the same as finishing 50th at the RSM. It's a lot easier to finish 28th at the DP world tour championship than it is to beat a hundred or to beat whatever, 73 guys at the RSM and finish 50th. So you get more value at the bottom there. Uh, I would like Troy, could you pull up? Uh, there's a, there's a comment at 347 from this same, same person, Ewan McDermott, um, that speaks to something here that I wanted to, to just comment on. He said, um, just think, or he said, I, th- I think the changes to the OWGR will make it hard for anyone not on the PGA tour to get into majors through being in the top 50 and thus be damaging for the Euro tour and the Ryder cup future golf exists outside of the U S <clears throat> I hear you. I think the PGA tour should go international more often. I, I, I wish that it would, but this is not a European tour problem. This was a small field problem, right? This was not like a bias against the European tour. It was, it was a bias against a small field. The, the PGA tours tour championship, guess what? It had a field rating that was worse than the Sanderson farms, right? Because there's only 30 guys in the, in the tour championship. So it's not a bias against the European tour. It's not a conspiracy against the European tour or the Asian tour or anything like that. It's just, they've changed what they believe about smaller fields as opposed to large fields. I don't know that I totally agree with it. Uh, but I did want to just sort of address that, uh, that comment specifically. Okay. Well, cool. Can we just for a minute, take a step back in time a bit and I'm the only one in this group who is old enough to know what the Sony World Rankings was and I was with IMG at the time and IMG owned the Sony World Ranking and they released it and Ian Wisdom I believe if memory serves me might have been the first world's number one and then it was bounced around the place some. When the 
this new proposed world ranking was pitched whenever it was, maybe a year ago or whatever, and the word started percolating on the tours around the world, every player and all of their people were so excited about the changes that were coming because back with the previous world ranking, there were complaints about that thing too. And everything that I heard now, this is a my sample size, and from who I talked to, they were like, this is perfect because now they're measuring the fields in terms of strength. And so where, if I'm playing over somewhere else and there's a decent field there, it's not like the PGA Tour is getting all of the, the, the points all of the time. So everyone was happy about the thing. Now it's rolled out, and now people are going to have issues. I guess what I'm trying to say is whatever's happening, someone's always going to find a problem. Yep. But you but – you, as a player who can pick their schedule, you know the drill going into it. And so then I guess that's all I have to say. Yeah, it's, it's about depth of, depth of field. And and so you might play in something a little smaller. That's okay. John Rahm, I mean, if he does just done, does John Rahm stuff, should send to Will's number one anyway. I understand where he's coming from, but everyone's going to moan about something at some stage. And, and that's kind of, this is old. This is old news to me. These changes were announced in August, 2021 and rolled out in August, 2022. So we've, we've known about these for, for quite some time and how they were going to impact everything. Um, I would also go back to that comment. So Greg, we'll get your thoughts on this because, um, the the comment was something like, you know, they're being punished or, or shouldn't they be rewarded for making it into the top 50 of the season long? Well, isn't inherently that's what's happening? Because if they play well enough to get into the top 50, they've improved their OWGR, which would only improve the field that you get when you get to the end. Yeah, that's um, that's very true. But again, we're biased kind of reluctantly. But I do think that's an important aspect of this because there is a bias, whether it's right or wrong, in ranking players. And how are you supposed to consider what an event means? So you have a tour championship on one side and you have in the last event of the fall that is a normal. I mean, it's near in the middle of the season with the RSM Classic on the PGA Tour. And the question, well, clearly a tour's championship means more than an event in the middle of the season where you don't really have stars playing. But the the purpose of OWGR is to take the name of the event out of the equation and to take the name of Tyrrell Hatton uh, and Adam Svensson and John Rahm out of the equation and simply match their records. Uh, and so they've created a formula. And ultimately, it's it's arbitrary anyway. The system is, is a made-up system to some degree. And I think they do a really nice job of creating a baseline and giving us an idea of who is ranked where in the official World Golf rankings. But all it is is a baseline. And you, you play within the rules of the game. So I, I think this is kind of a, a complaint that is... Um, unnecessary a very unique a very unique situation where i'm not going to see this very often and if this is a problem maybe it's something you look into and you try to solve it but um i i don't think it's something that should throw the whole golf world into a frenzy like the the ranking system is fraudulent because of this one scenario yeah 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 amen brother I, I, the- as far as I'm aware, there is a slight element of the calculation built into the, the, the ranking of the players that are in the field. 
but it recognizes the size of the field because with the global ga- game as it is right now, even though Brooks says only 10 people can win this event, there's 156 at the RSM Classic who can all go a little bit. Uh, and then just one more thing. Yes, it is a reward getting into this event. Yes, it's a reward getting into the Tour Championship because then you're guaranteed into majors and the Masters and all these other things. And these guys are making – the reward that they're making is the stuff. They are making buku dollars. And the very reason why so many of these guys went over to the Live League, right? So so this is – I mean, I, I, t- I tire of these conversations. Let me let me close it out like this. Troy, pull up this, this comment from uh, Elon McDermott. He just keeps – coming at this. And I think, I think he, Welcome I think, <laughs> yeah, I think there's some confusion here. He says point wasn't about this week, but in general as a Euro tour cannot get enough points to get players to play events as they get hurt by playing on the Euro tour. I, yeah. Like, but the way you get points for your tour is by getting highly ranked players to play in it. It's not like, I, I don't, the OWGR is not arbitrarily handing out points to tours. Like if you have the, so if the top 20 players in the world go play the Dubai desert classic in January, it's going to be the highest ranked event non-major of the, of the spring. Right. Like it's, it's not as if, I mean, this is a, this is an unintended consequence of the Euro tour kind of being uh, folded into the, it, the the European tour is a feeder tour into the PGA tour now. And this is a consequence of that. And I'm not saying I like it, but that's just sort of how it's going to work. Like, and, and by the way, we're not even talking about how there was a, there was European tour players for years got more points than they should have because they only counted the top 200 guys in the world. They didn't count guys. And the European tour had more of them that were outside the top 200. Right, Rick? Shout out Alex Norin, who's actually playing great now, but like was the most fraudulent top 10 player in the world when he was top 10. He's playing better now and it's not even being reflected uh, as such. But yes, guys have gained the system in that way for so long. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're kind of ignoring the, <laughs> how the Euro tour, like there was a baseline of points that you, you, well, there's two things. One, a baseline of points that you had to get X number of points to the winner. Uh, and I think it was like 24 or 25. And then two, they didn't count players that were outside the top hundred, which the European tour has always had a bunch of. And it's like, those guys were, uh, it was, it was kind of an unfair system in their favor for years. So I don't, I don't have a ton of sympathy for kind of where they're coming from right now. Uh, probably a discussion we can dive further into in the offseason. So here's what we're looking at for the next uh, week or two, gentlemen. Uh, next week, there's no PGA Tour being played. There is no DP World Tour being played. I think there's an Asian Tour event. Maybe we could talk about that. Uh, but otherwise, we'll find some good stuff to talk about. We have a couple ideas floating around that we've been putting off until uh, the offseason that we can dive further into. Then we're going you know, full on Tiger uh, the week of the 28th that's no monday the 28th that's going to be the week of the hero qbe shootouts after that we'll have tiger playing the pnc we'll have like there's just there's there's going to be a ton of stuff we'll have the match in there is the announcement come yet or are you preempting this what's that the tiger's playing the pnc oh i mean he's playing the p i'll yeah sure i'll announce it right now tiger's playing the pnc yeah, uh, officially, sure. Tweet it, uh, tweet it uh, out. Tweet, no, I won't do that. <laughs> do uh, it. And then we'll have the match with Rory and Tiger and JT and Jordan Speed. So plenty of stuff to talk about. Gentlemen here, anything else before we enter this uh, little baby PGA Tour hiatus? 
happy Thanksgiving to everybody and to all of the fans of the show and to everyone who supports golf. Enjoy the week off. I know the golfers are. Um, so happy Thanksgiving. And we're thankful for you. Mm-hmm, very, very you go. normal sport too. Going to going to print tomorrow. So I, I noticed that someone else um, already shared this with you, but I also had a rental car, Kyle, that had the the uh, I don't know if you can see it, the normal sport setup. Yeah, Come on. it's 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 very it's for if Mark and Greg can't see that, it's like there, it there you go. It's the way no, you. All right, I see that. <laughs> it's it's like it's like uh, different ver- or modes you can put your car in, right? Have you, has sport. anyone yeah. ever changed this? <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did last week. What to sport? I went to Echo. I wanted to see what the car was going to do. <laughs> Echo did the same thing. Yeah, economy or eco- oh, okay, okay. So like fuel efficient. Yeah, basically. Yeah. What it is, yeah. Could you imagine Mark driving around in sport mode? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Mark got Mark got duped by a Twitter joke today. Oh, oh man, I, I, I woke up there, but I was halfway asleep. Yeah, no, I, I, I got, I got done a few times, but it's so. Yeah, I stand accused. I mean, that's, it's, that's not the first time. It's not going to be the last time. I mean, yeah, yeah, we just have to own that when it happens because so it good. does happen. So good. All right, boys. Uh, we'll talk soon. We'll figure out a plan for next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy. Get a couple of days of of rest. Producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme available on Twitter at the Real GFD. Mark Immelman. You can find at Mark underscore Emelman. That's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.